0: Reading this morning is from Stephen Hawking, A Brief History of Time. The opening to chapter one has a story supposedly true. A well-known scientist, some say it was Bertrand Russell, once gave a public lecture on astronomy. He described how the Earth orbits around the sun and how the sun in turn orbits around the center of a vast collection of stars called our galaxy. At the end of the lecture, a little old lady at the back of the room got up and said, what you have told us is rubbish. The world is really a flat plate supported on the back of a giant tortoise. The scientist gave a superior smile before replying, on what is the universe standing? And on what is the tortoise standing? The old lady replied, You're very clever, young man, very clever. But it's turtles all the way down. <laughs> so, thus begins our conundrum. I think these questions have existed for as long as there were creatures around to think. And maybe that's part of the point, right? So I'd like to start with a true story. Uh, Last summer, my son Evan and I went to uh, the beach, my ancestral home, Ocean City, New Jersey. We need to find our way back to the water, the primordial soup out of which many of us think we came. Uh, so we were there just to spend the day at the beach. We parked the car, gathered our beach chairs, umbrellas, books, always have to have books, blanket, and headed to the boardwalk and the beach at 13th Street in Ocean City, New Jersey. Right near our beloved Mac and Manco's Pizza, because that's an important part of the universe for us. For any of you familiar with Ocean City, New Jersey, you'll remember that there are several pavilions on the boardwalk places where folks can sit in the shade, there are benches, a gazebo of sorts, eat lunch, watch people. So as we came up onto the boards with all of our stuff in hand, we noticed a group of people with signs gathered around and inside and outside the pavilion. Now Ocean City, New Jersey is a very sedate town. It is not as lively as Ocean City, Maryland. If you've been to both, you'll know what I'm talking about. It's actually a dry town. You can't drink in Ocean City, New Jersey. So the idea that people would be up on the boardwalk protesting something is kind of antithetical to the place. Um, I think it would be great if more of that happened, but the idea that people were greeting you as you came onto the boardwalk, to enjoy a day at the beach, with signs, was something that surprised us both. So many of the signs the people were holding said in big, bold, handwritten letters, the earth is flat. And Evan and I looked at one another and said, You've got to be kidding me. <laughs> and at first, really, we thought it was a spoof. We thought somebody was having fun. You know, maybe it was a fraternity prank or somebody had been challenged to do this for their birthday. But as we drew closer, we saw that, and these were grown ups of various ages, various genders. Um, I, don't, I don't know if they were different ethnicities or not. But they were encountering people as they came up and down the boardwalk and attempting to engage them in conversation. So we realized that they were serious. As one of these gentlemen approached us with his sign, saying, did you know the earth is really flat? It's a conspiracy. So I looked at Evan and said, we're here to enjoy the beach. Let's keep moving at which point my physics professor's son said, oh, mom, I can't pass this up. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) So I knew I was going to be reading the book on the beach by myself for for a while. Um, And that's really where the idea for today's sermon was hatched, was what compels someone to really fly in the face of that kind of evidence? And what compels all of us to accept certain kinds of evidence and not accept others? And then really, what is the difference between those things that we feel as though we can prove and those things that, for the most part, may be unprovable, and that's okay. And why is it that we, as human beings, have that innate sense of both of those things in us? Where did that come from? How did that evolve? Why do we have those thoughts, feelings, and curiosities? Hence Einstein and the book, right? So that's what I'd like to explore a little bit with everybody today that day on the boardwalk my my goal was to get to the sand to park my butt in a chair to take advantage of gravity (laughs) and to stare out at the earth's curvature on the horizon (laughs) where there just happened to be a sailboat at the very moment when that guy came up to us one of evan's questions i think was what happens when you can't see the sailboat anymore but Talk to him afterwards, and he'll tell you all about the conversation. I've got a great photo of it. I was going to put it up on the board today. Um, how, How do science and belief and faith or religion coexist? Is there a proper balance? When and what are the times in our lives when we need to rely on science for our guidance and answers, and frankly, our survival? And when do we call on our faith, or our beliefs, or our religion, or even that thing that we call our gut instinct, to sustain us, to provide us hope, and to provide solace. If you ponder the word belief, you'll realize that lately it's been used indiscriminately when referring to realities that have been proven to be fact through the scientific method, phrases like, I don't believe in climate change. Is the word somebody should be using really believe? Um, I don't believe that plastic is harming the environment. Or I don't believe that vaccines are safe. Or just as puzzling, I don't believe that the Earth is round and orbits around the sun. The thought that I been pondering, is using the word belief in this way diminishes true beliefs, those things that are unprovable, those things that are emotional, those things that are perhaps more philosophic, and confuses the difference between belief and facts. I prefer to substitute the word accept for the word belief in these instances. Someone may have the right to say, I don't accept that climate change is real, but I don't think the right word is believe. Words matter. We use use a lot of them. We get accused of using a lot of words, but the distinction matters. And I think in our current global situation right now, we have an opportunity on a regular basis to try to make a slight course correction in the words that others might adopt and use, and then the words that that we use. So give some thought to that. And the other thing I've been thinking about is we as UUs, and those of us who are here exploring to be a UU, prefer a free society where individuals have the right to choose their own faith system. But our sometimes uber-tolerance of others' beliefs and points of view can keep us from challenging those who don't accept settled science as fact. We can be perhaps too patient, too tolerant, not wanting to rock the boat. I think that unbridled tolerance can lead to a renewed bigotry and to the renewed bigotry and ignorance that we're seeing in our world today. We're experiencing in this country and in the world a, an ignorance that needs to be addressed. Some ignorance is benign. If someone doesn't know what a peach tastes like, that's okay. And it certainly is enough to, up to us to tell them that they should enjoy a peach. But other ignorance is downright deadly. And there are times where we need to stand for truth. There are times where we need to stand for science and the role it has to play in truth. Take Galileo. Hundreds and hundreds of years ago in his battle with the Catholic Church, the Church had become a belief structure that morphed into a political force of oppression. And curiosity and questioning was a threat to that power structure. Take Einstein and his battles within the university system, supposedly in a system of knowledge. But some of his biggest oppressors were his fellow professors and scientists, because their belief structure was being challenged. All of their hard work and the things that they thought they had proven or proven unprovable we're being challenged. So we don't like when folks question, we don't like when folks challenge the things that are long held, here's that word again, beliefs. My background's in the liberal arts. So what in the world do I have doing talking about science? I had a brief stint as a biology major in college before I came to my senses and changed my major to art. However, artists are curious. We explore different ways of looking at things, much like Einstein did in the story for all ages. I'm not an atheist, and there have been times in my life when hope, which is defined as belief in the uncertain, to me, another form of faith, hope, has been really necessary in my life, and probably in your life, too. Science and exploration and religion and faith are bedfellows. I'm sure many scientists have offered up a prayer that an experiment work (laughs) or that their cure for a disease would be found. Both are ways that humans deal with two abiding emotions, hope and fear. Fear is where many of our drivers come to have to define those things that are happening around us. Some of us choose science, some of us choose religion, some of us choose despair, quite frankly. Not knowing causes anxiety for all of us. We seek structure in our lives to make sense of things, and some religions have leveraged that fear to control entire societies. Science has often provided the illumination of those control issues. And both faith and religion and science have their dark realms. However, I'm gonna leave you with one thought. If we were designed or created by a force greater than us, why were we built with the capacity for curiosity and for faith and belief at the same time? Blessings be.